The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, how are you liking the, the train strikes at the moment? Oh, that caused you problems over the weekend, didn't it? Oh. Yes. No, listen, I am all for fair pay and all of that kind of stuff. However, I was one of those people that was right caught up in the middle of it all. And it caused me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> so I had a wedding on Saturday in right in the middle of London um, in uh, Shakespeare's Globe. Oh, nice. Theatre. Oh, very yeah. nice, Kev. I've so always, of course, train strikes. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice place. Have you worked yeah. there? No, I haven't. I've, I, I walk past it and think, oh, I'd love to go in there, either to watch a play or to do something like an event, like, well, what, like what you in, did. Yeah, the wedding's not actually in the theatre. It's ah. in the restaurant that's ah, at the okay. top that right. overlooks St Paul's. Ah. Um, yeah, it's a nice place. Anyway, so Saturday, of course, train strikes, which is not normally a problem because I, de- I never take a train to a wedding. Uh, I've been planning all week. Uh, I'll just drive into London to Richmond, jump as I always do, jump on the tube, aware also that it's the FA Cup final day. Elton John was playing in London. Beyonce was playing in London. So I thought I've got plenty of time and I'll have a nice meander over to uh, East London and just kind of chill out for a few hours before I start. And it was a late wedding, so I wasn't due to start. The ceremony wasn't until 6 p.m. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, luckily, I checked on the Friday, just thought, you know, just double-check district line. And luckily, uh, Transport for London, in all of their wisdom, on the same day as the train strikes, FA Cup final, Elton John and Beyonce, decided to do engineering works on the district line. So, yeah, so district line's closed. So, my route in was a catastrophically stressful oh so it wasn't that the the tubes were on strike it was no, the, the tubes were on strike it's just half of them were out of action oh you ju- you chose to use well there are other lines that would take you in that way you know no there's not yes there are not from not from not from west london they're all shut stratford shut. stratford's okay oh no is stratford no. on that line no stratford's not on that line but the piccadilly the metropolitan line was down oh. the basically half of west london and or any of the stations that the trains, any of the tube stations that the mainline trains went through were also shut oh. because of the, tu- the train strike. So, for example, Richmond Overground wasn't working. So in the end, I had to get the um, London Overground from Richmond. There was one train every three hours yeah. <laughs> to Wheelsden Junction. Oh, right? No. right. Yeah. Yes. Guess, guess what Wheelston Junction's near? I've no idea. Um, Wembley? I'll give, you, I'll give you a clue. Manchester United and Manchester yeah, City Wembley. were playing at the same time. Wembley, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I squeezed myself onto this train yeah. up to, up to uh, Wheelston Junction. Then yeah. I had to get the Bakerloo line all the way back down to London. And uh, at that point, I realised I would never... And I didn't finish. I wasn't finishing until midnight. <sighs> um, so I realised I would never, ever get a taxi back. Back to my car in Richmond or an Uber, they just weren't going to go there. So I organised a Addison Lee, um, which was very late. Do you know, Kev? Do, do you know I could look all this story? It would have been made so much easier. Next time, give me your address, and I will have you taken in like a package by DPD. The Fuji Cast. That's the way we'll we'll deliver you as a package. A pack- anyway, I got him a pack- quarter to four. You got him a quarter to four. God, see. Yeah. If I'd have sent you as a package, actually, if I'd, if I'd have sent you as Amazon Prime, you'd have got there. <laughs> you'd have been absolutely fine. Somebody needs to design a drone, a wedding photographer delivery drone. <laughs> what, to drop you in at the Globe? Yeah, pick me up. Oh. When you got on that coach, by the way, at Wembley, um, did you get on the blue coach or the red coach? 
No, no, no. Well, it's not a coach. It's the London Overground. It's, it's yeah. actually a train. But it's a coach. But it's, yeah, it's a train coach, Kev. A coach within uh, a train. I just got on it with a million other people from Manchester. Well, did you not notice that people were either shouting City or United? Did you... <laughs> Did it not? There was no space for them to actually open their mouths. <laughs> if they opened their mouths, another oh. person would have fallen into that space. Oh. Well, I had a nice time. I watched the FA Cup final at home with the pins in my hand. Look at that. I was thinking about you, clearly, as, uh, as the whole thing was going I on. I did watch it. I did watch it. I had time to watch the FA Cup final on my phone. Oh, you did. Because right. it didn't start till six. I had plenty of time. I was in London plenty early. Yeah. Sat there in the boiling heat. Anyway, there we go. That was my weekend. It was all right. Yeah, much better than yours by the sound of it. <laughs> Welcome to the Fuji Moan. It's nice to have your company. Here we are again um, with your questions. Either send them into click at fujicast.co.uk or by a Facebook. Um, Kev looks after the Facebook ones in the Facebook group. Uh, I look after the ones on the, uh, the e- that you send in by email. Um, we're a bit slight on the email ones. Um, how, are, how are the Facebook ones going, Kev? Are we, are we getting plenty of interest? Yeah, we've got some. We've good. got some. We've got good, enough good, to good. keep us going. Oh, it's always good to have more questions. Don't worry, though. Yeah. Keep going. Keep and, going. Keep and going. today we have, last week we looked at a film. Uh, this week it's a book. But it's not just a book. I mean, this this actually does need a delivery van to bring it, doesn't it? It's huge to just bring it across your front room, Kev. It's massive. Absolutely enormous. London. Photographs by Richard Bryant, introduction by Peter Ackroyd, who's a historian, isn't he? Ah, right, okay. So, London by who again? Richard Bryant. Richard Bryant. Not the Rocky Horror Show guy. Uh, that's that's not oh, Richard, that's O'Brien. That's isn't Richard it? O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> Put your hands on your head. Close, but not quite close enough, yeah. Kev. Um, I'm not sure Richard Bryant has a voice for the for the stage. Right. Um, yes, let's go. Who's going first? You. Okay, from <laughs> the email today. This one is from Stuart Palmer. Greetings. I'm more old than young, more outdoors than indoors, and more everything else than portraits. <laughs> Why should someone like me consider using Fujifilm cameras? Thanks, Stuart. That, well, that was... Um, Short, short, and straight to the point. I'm more old than young. Well, I suppose first of all, as as we age, we don't necessarily want to walk around with uh, five bricks on our shoulder, i.e., the kit weight. More outdoors and indoors. I suppose you can fit more into a smaller rucksack and more everything else than portraits. I'm not quite sure why that would change you to Fujifilm, but the first two reasons I thought were quite strong, Kev. Yeah, I mean, basically. Look, if you're if you're more old than young, then you've you've been around, you've lived your life, just by the stuff that you enjoy using, yeah. whether that's Fujifilm or not, whatever, it doesn't matter. But just just go with stuff that you enjoy. That's not going to hurt your back. Your that's your original opinion. Your original yes, your original change was all down to the uh, the enjoyment, wasn't it? It wasn't based on uh, and let's be honest the uh, the first incarnations were not as good as the canons that you carried around in terms of what they could technically produce but that did, that wasn't that wasn't what was important to you was it no i think um yeah the original i started using the x100 originally which yeah of course when you compare that to a canon 5d mark ii or whatever it was i had in my other hand yeah. no there was no yeah. there was no comparison whatsoever but as soon as the xt1 came x pro 1 came along then yeah i thought they were on a par they, i would well i certainly wasn't missing stuff that i was, would have got with the canon system mm. so 
at that point. But yeah, ultimately it was because they were too big, um, too heavy, made too much noise. And these little black boxes from Fujifilm came along that were smaller and made less noise and yeah. just um, led me to enjoy it more. That was it. But it, just, it could have been any brand, really. It just happened to be that Fujifilm at the time had produced the stuff that I was looking for. Oh, any brand? What if Sony would have said here, Kev? Well, they didn't have anything at the time, but if they had, I maybe have gone that way, yeah. Oh, this could well um, have been the Sony cast by now. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it, because <laughs> I don't think I would have enjoyed using them, no. but who knows? I what may is, have done. What, I just don't is, think I would have, could have got through the menu system. Is is that what, <laughs> that is what puts you off the Sony one. It, it, the ease of use and the enjoyment is is really what keeps you with Fujifilm. You've always said, and you've been very honest about this, if anything came along that was better, that, that fulfilled that criteria, you you uh, you would consider swapping. Exactly. I've always said that. Even when I was an ambassador, I said yeah. that. You know, because my cameras are to serve my clients. They're not mm. to serve Fuji. You know, I don't use Fujifilm cameras to serve my ambassador status or was, was an ambassador. Mm. I use them to serve my clients. And if had anything ever come along that I thought justified you know a change in a reinvestment in a new system because i thought it would be better then yeah i would have done that definitely i still will i i remember i remember (laughs) when um i was shooting um the original canon 5d the um the leap between the 5d that mark one and the mark two was mahusif and i remember going out on a pre-wedding shoot and making some portraits and coming back and thinking, oh my, I mean, these were my JPEG days and all um, edited in Photoshop. Nothing went through Lightroom. And I remember looking at the images thinking, oh my word, this camera system or this camera, this particular um, version has come of age. Was was there one that did that for you in the Fujifilm range? Was there like a leap? I know you said from X100 to X Pro One, but I, I, the X Pro One, I, although I love my X Pro One, I wouldn't say that was a m- massive leap that maybe think, oh, it's arrived. F- for me, that would have to be probably, and I only played with it for a little while. Was um, was the X Pro Three? No, I'd say the X Pro One because really, yeah, because it was. Uh, you know, I, I already knew by using the X Pro, by using the X100. Remember mm. the X100 was the original one. The next camera along was the X Pro one, yeah. which came about 14 months later, I think. Uh, delivery was about 14 months later. Um, so I knew that being able to see an electronic viewfinder, having you know much lighter cameras, all that kind of stuff, that's what I wanted. I already knew that the X100 was allowing me to get pictures I couldn't get with my Canon system. I couldn't get close up and be as discreet as I wanted to be. You know, mm. I couldn't get those kind of uh, emotional type pictures. At least I couldn't get them as easily without interfering with the scene, which I don't like doing. Um, so when the X Pro came along with those three launch lenses, 60 mil, 35, and 18, mm. um, yeah, that was it. And that and that was and I remember it happening. I did a review. I was reviewing that system for Professional Photographer magazine, and I took it back to Arch and House in Cheltenham, um, dropped it off, and at the same time, um, I uh, the same day I put in my pre-order to Wex. I think I used Wex at the time. And uh, and just knew it, yeah. I just was like, yeah, this is yeah. this is definitely going to be it. And I, and then um, I worked with that and my Canon system for a short period, and then not long after that, I took all my Canon stuff and uh, 
sold it off. Yeah. Sold the lot. I'm going to rewind a bit. And when I said X um, Pro 3, it was the XT2, really, because I use that a lot. That that was the moment where I thought, oh, these, these can do what I need them to do. I didn't mm. feel that about the XT1, I have to say. But um, Right, Oates, um, in terms of what you might suggest, Stuart, um, more old than young, more outdoors and indoors and everything else than portraits, what what, what would you uh, what would you suggest maybe as a... As, uh, I mean, it depends what he shoots, of course. So this might be an impossible question to uh to answer but what what might you say to him Stuart? have you tried x which x would it be well it's hard to know without if we know if he's got any cameras or or not at the moment but uh i really like the look of the new xs20 which has been announced recently but hasn't nobody's got yet i reckon that's going to be a good camera for a lot of people yeah it's uh you know it's it's small it's interchangeable it's got great if you're into any kind of video stuff it's got amazing video capabilities i think that's going to be a good seller for feature film xs20 and that's probably where i would be because it's not you, you know you're not paying the premium price you're not paying your 1700 pounds you're paying i think you'll be paying about 1200 pounds for that yeah. So that's probably where I'd be looking um, or what I'd be recommending people look. Right, before we go to the next question, Kev, we should mention our friends at pick-time.com who sponsor this programme. Thank you, as always, uh, for your for your support. It's going to be important this summer, Kev. Lots of weddings between you and I, things to put up, sales to make, although I, I feel it's going to be a bit of a competition now. You've got a £600 sale. That's what we're all aspiring to now, Kev. Yeah, yeah, well, I know. I was reading in the... So, PicTime have got a very active Facebook group as well. Um, and there's some people in there that are doing thousands and thousands and thousands, mostly Americans, because Americans tend to buy prints a lot more than yeah. UK people. But, yeah, it's a, it's a great platform and very successful. So, thank you, PicTime, for your continued support of the what? show. One month free with yeah. the code FUJICAST. All in capital letters. Yes. Yeah. I wonder why well, it is that... I don't actually know whether that's the case or not. Well, just just do it. Just a humorous. I wonder why it is that um, that sales, American sales, are better than UK sales as an average, it seems, for weddings. We're making a great sweeping generalisation. And please feel free to write in and say, hang about, hang on. I just did X, if you're a British wedding photographer. Yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. I It may well be because we're more in the documentary realm where oh, okay. people typically don't buy, you know, there's no beautiful portraits, editorial stuff, or less of them. Yeah. So maybe we just don't see it that way. But I certainly get sales and albums and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But looking at that... Um, uh, looking at that thread in in the pick time group facebook group that you know that does seem to be that americans tend to in my opinion from what i see to, tend to you know to to value prints more than, than in, term, in, the UK. In, in terms of weddings of course if you're using it for portrait work then it's a different kettle of fish altogether isn't it yeah. um but uh, yeah a, a, a valuable tool for showing your wares showing your weddings and uh, of course it comes with uh, all those sales a- a- additions as well such as reminders this is one thing i don't use um, too much which i should do reminders when it comes to anniversaries yep anniversaries um you can also do christmas father's days all of that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's got all of that well, automations they're called yes. in pick time yeah. and uh, you, if you dig deep into the automation system you will be mightily impressed wwwpick time Dot com and thank you for your support we will of course have a link on the website as well we will right kev yours from facebook yes 
Uh, where is it? I did have it. Here we go. All right. So this is quite a long one from Daniel Parks. Settle um, in. Settle in. Yeah, settle in. I haven't read this yet either, so you'll have to editate all <laughs> I my... I love own. your planning, Kev. <laughs> Miss Nobus. <laughs> and I'm only, I'm only actually digging... So this is from four weeks ago, okay. and, and, and Daniel did send me a bit of a, a re- rebuttal on messenger yesterday saying um well he said i have put a question in but it hasn't come up yet so uh, so pull pull your finger up mullins and read it yeah pull your finger up mullins um hi both uh this is a deep one Uh i once heard the saying in quotes it is possible to be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time i liked it that much it's up on my wall at Mm. work as a humbling reminder that there's always room for improvement and that even people who look like they're super confident and established probably feel like they're still honing their craft to my non-photographer friends and family i'm an expert yet compared to my peers i still feel like a newbie i recently shot my first full day wedding and soon the images will be out there for all to see i was a nervous wreck in the week building up to it I think it went okay, and of course, it was a relief to get it under my belt. But it did get me wondering if I'll be any less nervous when the next wedding comes around. Mm -hmm. We all know the battles we face with imposter syndrome when we're first starting out. So my question to you both is, was there a defining moment for you in the early days when you finally felt like you'd made it? Was it as simple as shooting your first wedding before you considered yourself a wedding photographer? Or was it when you had a certain number of bookings in the diary? I've now shot three smaller weddings and one full day wedding with two more bookings in the bag. But it's only a side hustle for me at the moment. I don't feel like a wedding photographer yet, as I very much feel like I'm still at the fake it to make it stage. Do you think this is a natural part of the transition? Absolutely, I do. I I said for I don't know how many years. I mean, I've been shooting. Next year will be my twentieth year shooting weddings. I'm uh, by the end of this year, I'll have nine hundred and sixty something under under the belt. And I spent the first five six years, maybe longer, Kev, maybe the first decade, feeling a bit like a visitor at times. I'd come out of uh, of my first love industry, which was broadcasting. The thing I'd always planned to do in my life, the thing I loved more, more than anything uh, in that, that, that first half, my career roughly splits into two halves, funnily enough. Um, no, although, actually, now photography is overtaking the broadcasting. But um, for those first, that first five to ten years, Kev, I thought I felt like a visitor. It was that, well, I'm doing this until broadcasting. I go back into it and find that job, you know, back back into radio, doing that thing that I did before. I, I'll, I'll be here for a little. But by then I'd shot uh, half that amount. <sighs> Um, five, three, four, five hundred weddings. I don't. I. I think it's a natural feeling, isn't it? You are. Um. I, there was a uh, singer friend of mine who's been singing. For, not not particularly famous, but been, been singing for years and years and years. But still worries that they hit bum notes all the time. And then you'll listen to to him, and you'll say, "No, that was amazing." And say, "Yeah, yeah. One day I'll I'll make it." Yeah, I think, um, so I saw, I remember Daniel, when he did shoot his first day wedding, I knew that he was doing it. So yeah. Oh God, mess- so you followed him through him. the process. Oh, I was messaged him saying, yeah. oh, you're right. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've seen the pictures. I saw them yesterday and they are, they are very, very good. good. A damn sight better than the ones I did in my first wedding, that's for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I mean, pff, blimey. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I still crap myself before every wedding. I'm still really anxious. I'm still really nervous. Really? I'm at the, right place, the right time. Right, okay. I get the names right until I knock on the door and they open the door and what looks like a bridesmaid or a mother of a bride opens the door. I'm convinced I'm at the wrong place. Oh, okay. So your your fears are not that you can't shoot the wedding or, or, or do what you do. Your fears are that you've got the wrong day, the wrong bride, the wrong event, the wrong... <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's all part of it. And, right. and then, you know, my fears are that I do a good job for them and I want to, you know, make sure that everything works and and i'm always very very nervous very anxious i'm also nervous and anxious when i deliver the images yeah um yeah all of that stuff is totally normal and i think that if you don't have that then um you know you you kind of lose a little bit of something um but yeah i mean you've got you've got to keep yourself grounded you know we i don't think this whole idea of when you know you've made it we're wedding photographers, you know. We're not. We're not. We're not Bon Jovi or anything like that. No, 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 know? no. But, but but having pride of of what you shoot and what you do for a living is really important. Otherwise, we'll think well, what I do is not. And and this is a problem that I think I've felt uh, across the years is well, what I do doesn't really doesn't mean much. And yeah. I think and, and and whatever you do, whether you're whether you're a you clear bins, fly jetliners, shoot weddings. Being the best at what you do in your life, I think, is really important. Yeah, but I think that the twist on the question is, you know, how do you know you, when you've made it? And, mm. like, in terms of, uh, you know, comparing yourself perhaps to other photographers and stuff like that, yeah, and yeah. There, there is none. We are all, we are all wedding photographers uh, of sorts, and, you know, there is no capacity in my brain um, for anybody or anyone who thinks that they are better than other people for any particular reason. Of course, there are people that are better than others, mm-hmm. and, and that's a subjective statement that other people can make. But as yourself, as a photographer, you know, if anybody, you, you know, I mean, I, I know people, I know photographers who, who kind of assume that they're like the best, they're, you know, like, and and they become very nonchalant with it. Mm. Um, and very... That's a coping uh, mechanism. It's not a coping mechanism. I reckon it is for it, them. It, I reckon it, that's it, that's the way they cope. We're going to be narcissism, uh, but the two are very closely allied sometimes. Coping uh, and narcissism are, are, are more bed partners than you appreciate, I think. Well, um, whatever. I don't want to get in that bed then. But anyway, like big-headed people. It's warm, people, Kev. It's a, big, it's, a, it's a big bed. <laughs> big-headed people who think that they're better than everybody else, you know. And okay. uh, I think you can, like I said, I think you can you can make those kind of grand gesture statements yeah, if you are in yeah. in a very, very massive industry that is very public-facing, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, music, for example, or whatever, you know. Um, but for us, no, we're just going, we're, we're all crapping ourselves that our memory cards won't fail. We're all worrying and want to get home at the end of the night on time. And we all want to do a good job and that's it, you know? So you, that Daniel, you should always, every wedding you go to should, in my opinion, at least should still be a bit anxious, no matter how many, you know, Neil's done nearly a thousand weddings. Um, I've done nearly 700 weddings and you know i think we both are pretty grounded i'd like and to think so I, I, do you know what? Yeah. I, I think it would be really interesting kev to uh not just wedding photographers to, but all photographers whether they shoot food weddings um social events portraits whatever to to ask them what their what their biggest fear is i mean you've outlined some of your fears and some of those are social fears we all have our fears don't we it would be really intriguing to know, and sometimes you need that vindication, don't you? As somebody who's who's 
new and out the traps, you think, oh, it's okay. I'm just like Kev. I'm just like Bob. I'm just like Josephine. They have the same fears as I do. It's okay. That's the vindication yeah. I needed. Yeah, and they are all like us. You know, all the guys are there on Saturn. You know, anybody, any bloke who's, especially bloke, and this isn't a kind of sexist statement, but we'll know what I mean when I say that if you're photographing a wedding on Saturday afternoon, you'll be worrying about whether your armpits have got yellow stains under them <laughs> and, you know, whether you should put your jacket back on and whether you're going to get fed in a couple of hours and all of that stuff will be happening. And, you know, it, we're just normal people, yeah. you know, and, that, <laughs> and, and that's it. Kev, Kev's main worries stains and lateness yep <laughs> or wrong day oh god <laughs> yeah. kev a, a, a mile in your shoes that's a very good question though there used to be yeah. a, i like the idea of putting signs up um affirmation signs in front of you i think it's a re i think it's a really good idea well the first radio station i worked in was one called chilton radio which was um well one of the first actually no it wasn't the first but they used to it was a it was an old school building a uh, wonderful place at dunstable and they had uh, the studio was one of the old classrooms, I think, in that sort of block. Anyway, above the window, above the studio window, it had a big sign and it said, This is entertainment. Be entertaining. <laughs> I, always, I always remember that sign. So uh, I think affirmation signs in your, in your room are a good idea. Right. Um, this one is from Andra or Andre Ledal. Um, Dear Neil and Kevin, hi from Bergen. Norway. And thank you for your highly entertaining and excellent podcast. I've listened to you a long time, even before the COVID daily shows. He's uh, blocked out some of the letters in COVID. Um, mm -hmm. I don't it like that. I sweary word. I yeah. know, it's kind of the word that shall not be mentioned. I guess it was about time to write to you. And I remember how delighted I was to discover a, a podcast about the camera brand that re-sparked my joy of amateur photography. It was also a pleasure to have you, Kevin, visit my camera club virtually last year oh were yep. you, you an, a norwegian visitor yeah via the the, the yeah. internet lines when you do your when you do um virtual camera club talks what what do you normally do do you i, I, I assume you share some pictures and stuff yeah yeah it's exactly the same as doing it in face to face yeah. share some pictures chat um usually there's one person who's fielding questions rather than you know obviously being able to speak to everybody in the audience but yeah that's that's yeah. Pretty, basically it yeah, it was fun. I photograph a lot of different subjects and enjoy very much your interviews and the various topics you and the other listeners bring up in the podcast. However, I feel we must talk a little bit about football and not about the Norwegians in the Premier League, such as Haaland, Odegaard and so on and so forth. I've been photographing football matches of my boys a couple of years now and shared them with the team and the other parents. Highly appreciated, it turns out. Now my youngest has reached the boys 19 and I feel it's about time to turn the quality up a notch. I'm using the XT4 and have some questions. Here we go. Get your football question head on here, Kev, for what you might need for photographing matches. And actually, you've, um, I mean, it's not football, but you've photographed a lot of rugby. Yeah, in my day. Yeah, yeah. back in the day. Which continuous focus mode setting should I be using? E.g. ignore obstacles and continue to track subject. Erratically moving. I have both experimented and researched, but I do not understand which of the sets one to five is better for football. Does it matter, or is it better to turn on face detection and make sure the players are, are in focus? No, I wouldn't use face detection um, because you might end up with the wrong face. 
Uh, I, I would for football. I, I, I have no idea in terms of what they're called or anything. But go for the one with the little leopard on it. Picture of a leopard. <laughs> okay, I thought you were talking about the football team. Then I was thinking, which football team's that? <laughs> the leopard. That's yeah. the one you would use. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to choose which face you want to stick with? Yeah, well, I think you, you can do it, but I've never figured out how to do it, and I just don't. No, I, don't I mean, it, it dances but... around, and usually finds. Yeah, you can click on it. You can click on it to lock it, to track it. Yeah. You can, you can use your finger on the back button or we'll move the joystick or whatever to lock it. But I, I well, that's what I've move done. so quickly that you yeah. want to, you want to, you know, by the time you've done that and, you know, you, that's fine. If in a football, let's put this in a football environment and you can click on one person's face yeah. and get it to track it. But, but then, you know, you're just stuck on them forever until you want to move it to another one. And, and all, you know, I, I think just using central focus, continuous focus, center point, point your camera at the fella or lady's face that you want to photograph. That's it. I wonder what I'm doing wrong then with my face detection. Because I do move my joystick around. I, I find the When person, do you use face detection? I used it, um, well, I use it rather when I've got quite a quick recessional. I find that quite useful. Processional. Don't use it. Why? Don't use it. Listen Why? to Uncle Kev. What? Don't use it. Point. Put it on single point and point it at the face that you want to track. Yeah, honestly, that's, that's what I used to do, and I just thought face detection would be would be drag me kicking and screaming into a new century, Kev. No, oh. no, it, it it won't because you're con- because it will work, but you. You know what happens when you quickly want to move to the groom or from the bride or to the, a little. Oh, I don't um, want to move to the to the to the groom. Uh, no, well, that's true. Yeah, that's that's it. It's not. It's not. I just don't think it's the way forward. Although I did, <laughs> I did use I it the other day. I, I, I used a very. Now I know you won't have worked this way, but um, I thought. I wonder. I I had a particularly long dancing set, and I thought, right, I've got the pictures I I really wanted. Then I thought, right, I'm going to experiment a little bit now. Popped on a fifty-six mil. I used the. Um, I've got the flash right next to me. It's the. It's the Godox V1F. That's it. V1. And I bounced it. There was a bit of a ceiling to bounce off, so that was quite useful. Um, Notched my my flashback, but I stop. And then I I thought right, I'm going to use face detection, and I'm going to shoot through the crowd at dancing because this crowd were particularly. They just. It, you know when you do a wedding and people feel a bit awkward about you being there in terms of on the dance floor. You know, when you mm-hmm. think, uh, they, they're like, oh, no, don't, oh, I'm on the, I don't, I'm, I've got two left feet, don't, you know, you know, sometimes people don't care, do they? You can go on the yeah, dance yeah, floor, yeah. make loads of pictures, nobody cares. Other times it's like, you, you just know it, you can feel it after all those years, you know, I, you don't want me here. So I was shooting mm-hmm. through the crowd with fifty six with a 56 mil, bouncing my flash and letting the, um, letting the face detection find the interesting subjects. And it works so, so well. Uh, I thought, I've never done this before. And the, well, of course, I'm, I've never really had cameras in the past that have had face detection. But it, it was a really good... Um, I thought, I must tell Kev, then I remembered you don't like Flash. No. <laughs> but that, the same principle will work with any kind of lighting, really. The well, it would if you've got, you got enough light, yeah. But but in terms mm. of, uh, of the fact that it was really dark and I couldn't stick lights up on poles... Anyway, you had a second question. Coming from Canon, I've been using my 70 to 200. Um, this will be the f4 lens, so the one that's not as heavy as that beast of a 2.8, with a fring- yeah. Fringer 2 Pro adapter. So it's Fringer. Really, a Fringer, is it Fringer? Yeah. I, I don't know. This gives me nice pictures, but many are out of focus. Would I benefit from using a Fujifilm lens instead? Quicker, more accurate focus? If so, which of the affordable lenses would you recommend? Yeah, definitely. Well, the 
the, the Fujifilm lenses rather than going through an adapter will be better, yeah. 100%. Uh, so 50 to 140, obviously, if you want to have a 70 to 200. Yeah, essentially, that's that's yeah. that's your kind of replacement lens. Yes. Um, so you can, I'm just looking at them now, you can you can get them used for about £750, 50 to 140, F2.8 WR OIS, sexy terms they use. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and would the sport finding mode benefit me? Last question, other than being able to observe the a- the action outside of the frame, I think we kind of covered that, didn't we? Well, so the sports finding mode is slightly different. The sports finding mode will, yeah, it will give you a frame outside where you see you can see more outside of the frame, but it obviously crops the image when it comes in. But you can shoot at a much faster frame rate. Yeah. So, depending a little bit on um, where you're positioned in terms of the football, how active the pe- the players are, that kind of stuff. That's that's what I would say. I'm photographing in a couple of weeks' time the British, the European Judo Championships Ooh, up at the nice. Judo British Judo Excellence place in Warsaw. Yeah. In um, yeah. and I'm thinking I'm going to probably use the 50 to 140 and sports finder mode for that. Why yeah. are you not in it, Kev? Why are you not competing? Uh, I'm too old. It's juniors oh, under it? 21s. Otherwise, oh, I'd have been in there. You'd have been there. Yeah. There, yeah. 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 Thanks, Andre. And uh, right, books. We've got we've got a tome of a book this week. A great big huge thing. Can you just using <coughs> y- using your um your huge judo muscles bring it across there? What do we have? All right. So it's called London. Uh, photographs by Richard Bryant. Mm-hmm. Introduction by Peter Ackroyd. And this is something that I've had on my shelf for a long time, actually. And I, I think I probably had this. Even before the days when I was a photographer, oh. I think this is something that we got when we were, as we left London, Gemma and I, when we lived there. Anyway, um, I'm just trying to look at the publication date to try and verify that, but the pages are too big. So uh, I'm going to have to move my microphone and stand up like a, like a proper radio DJ. This is obviously something that, this is a book that Shifter Brick didn't believe should still be at your home anymore. Correct. This is one of the ones that didn't make the cut yet. Cast out. Uh, <laughs> Richard Bryant's London is a fitting love letter to a city with an unparalleled history and an imitable... Inim, imi, how do you say that word? Inimitable. 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 Inin, inimitable. Inimitable. <laughs> what does it mean? Tell In, me what it means. Inimitable. It's of a style. It's of, its, of itself. Something special of its own. Okay. In, inimitable. It's a fitting love letter to a city with an unparalleled history. I want to hear you say the word and is unparalleled to any other <laughs> and tangible and a tangible soul oh, okay. follow, following the path of the river this book moves across london from the bucolic bucolic yeah <laughs> bucolic west relating to the, to the pleasant aspects of the countryside and country life Bucolic. Right, okay. So this book moves across London from the lovely West <laughs> to the postmodern East, yes. from the beautiful villas and gardens of Notting Hill through Fitzroy, Fitzroy Square and Georgian London and the Roman ruins of the city yeah. and the post-industrial landscape of Battersea and Greenwich. These spectacular photographs capture every aspect of London from the distinctive beauty of the Royal Parks to the formal splendour of Whitehall yeah. and from the London Eye and the Houses of Parliament to charming Fenchurch... <laughs> Fenchurch Street. Yeah, yeah, Fenchurch. I know I used to go there all the time. Fenchurch streetscapes unchanged for centuries. Um, (laughs) And obviously, we'll look at the the modern buildings. I mean, if it's looking at the eye, it's going to look at the shard and the gherkin, isn't it? And the walkie talkie. Yeah. um, Or maybe the walkie talkie, not then, probably. If the shard, shard, no, shard may not have been up then either. If it's when when you and Gemma were moving out of London, maybe not. I'm not sure. So this is a it's a limited edition of five thousand 
books. Um, and I have got book number 2,423 because I know that because it also comes with a limited edition print. Mm. And I've got a beautiful print of the um, Tower Bridge and the, the the thing in the background, the one that does look like a cigar. What's the one? What's that one? Uh, the gherkin? That's the gherkin, yeah. 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 Okay, looks like a gherkin. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it's an enormous book, and I have just looked. Um, it's not available on Amazon. However, it is available on Abe Books if yeah. you've got yeah. spare two to three hundred pounds. Um, oh. Or, alternatively, give me a ring, mate, and I might be able to do you a deal <laughs> on this cover. But no, it's really wonderful. And what I remember now from this book is it's got fold-out panoramas. Oh, lovely. Beautiful. So there is an insane... I'm just doing it now. So there's one, two, three, four-page fold-out panorama of the deers in Richmond Park. And yeah, it's like just the beauty of the book is what sets it aside. Yeah. And the photography, of course, is excellent. Yeah. Um, but, y- y- you know, it's like uh, this particular picture is, is very close to our heart because that's where... In Gemrado, first kiss in Richmond. No, did you? What year? What year was that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, well, when did you move out of London? How old Rosa? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, your children. Yeah, when when did you move out of London? Well, what, what year did you move out of London? Oh God! Oh, so Rosa's fifteen in next week. Yeah. So seventeen years ago, I guess no, sixteen years ago. We were oh, in. Okay. We'd been out of London about a year, I think. Yeah, sixteen years ago. Right. Okay. I mean, when was that? When was that? Was that before? Well, that was 2000 and... What's 2023 minus 16? 2007, 2007. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so the Gherkin <laughs> actually was... It was a, it was around then, because the Gherkin was built in 2000... Well, they started it in 2003. Yeah, so the Gherkin was... Yeah, well, hence being in the book. It's a lot... Older. I, uh, Isn't it funny? It's a lot older than you think. Some of yeah, things. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, it's yeah. like the millennial... It's like the, the London Eye as well. You always think that's quite a recent yeah. thing, but obviously that was there for the 19, millennium. 1998, wasn't it? It, was, it went up. <laughs> the millennium? No, no, no. When the when it was built, London Eye. Yeah, it was built for the millennium, yes, wasn't I it? Yes, I know, so but it was built in yeah, 1998, so it was up there before we got there, wasn't it? Oh, I see. I yeah. don't know. Didn't it fall over once? And no, it re- never fell out. It. it never fell over. If they tried to put it up... And they couldn't put it up, so they had to put it back down in the river. And it took another six months for them to figure out how to get it back up again. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I didn't know that story. True right. story. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It probably was up before, yeah. actually, Millennium. I don't know. Anyway, so back to the book. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, like, I'm looking, I'm just scrolling through. And, uh, honestly, this is the kind of book that you're only, you're not going to get this if you don't know London. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a nostalgia book, really, more than anything. And, and I wouldn't say particularly that the, the, the pictures are, uh, like, of magnificent art, but they are pictures that will remind you of things. And I love, like, looking in, it, it, it's inside. There's no text with any of the images, so you don't actually know what's going There's on. There's no history but it, of it, right? Okay. West to east, hmm. rough flow. And then we're moving through to um, Trafalgar Square, some long exposure stuff in Trafalgar Square. Nice. And the uh, with the older the older versions of the electronic signs that are there at that point. Oh, uh, what, when they used to have to put bulbs when they used to have to put bulbs in them. Yeah, not that long ago, but different different just slightly different layout. Ah, telephone right. box with somebody actually using a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can believe it. You know, it. it's funny when we, we, we were in London, um, Kevin, we there was the red telephone box right in front of um Big Ben. Well it's not called Big Ben, is it? Actually it's the it's the great clock of West, Westminster. It's the bell that's Big Ben, isn't it? But yeah, um right. but we were we were taking some photographs of people that they've just stood by the old red phone box 
with, mm. um, well, call it Big Ben, with Big Ben in the background. Yeah, because it's the perfect view it with is, the red telephone yeah, box perfect, and Big Ben. London iconic yeah. shot. There's a whole, there's a great, great set of pubs through the west, uh, through the West End, mostly yeah. of pubs, yeah. night scenes outside pubs, yeah. which are great. I love that. Um, keep looking to see if I can see myself in any of them. <laughs> and then we move through Covent Garden. Uh, oh, look, Radio um, Radio 1. What's it called? W- Wogan House now, isn't it? But what did it used oh, to be called? Well, it used to be, well, I don't know if you, what one you're looking at, but BBC it used to be House. Egton House, and there's Broadcasting House there as well. Broadcasting House, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the one. That's the one. That's the one that's now Wogan House, isn't it? Uh, no, that Wogan House is around the corner. Great Portland Street, anyway. Um, there's Banksy, there's the Regent's Park, Road Banksy. There is um, oh, so this is the Whispering Gallery in St Paul's, which really uh, does work. Actually, have you ever been into St Paul's and tried the Whispering no, Gallery? No, I've never it been in really there. Really does work. You can it whisper with slightly high, slightly more than a whisper. It really does travel all the way around. It's amazing. Here is the Millennium Bridge, the wobbly bridge that I spent. I walked back and forth many times on Saturday, waiting for my wedding to start. <laughs> and Covent Garden, all the way through. Anyway, it really is a very beautiful book, very big. Um, and and only, I would suggest, if you are a Londoner or ever lived in London, would you... I mean, that's a bit disingenuous. You might actually just think it's amazing. That's it's history. Really I mean, it's, it's like those fantastic books of New York um, that I love, uh, from, the, from the 80s in particular. Yeah, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that the... You know, the photos aren't, you know, there's no, he, like he hasn't gone at dawn to get the best light or anything like that. Um, you know, they are, they're beautiful pictures, but they're not, you wouldn't unnecessarily buy this, you know, to get joy from the photographic skills, if you like, but you'll get joy from the, the locations, the memories, the nostalgia, that kind of stuff. What's your favourite um, favorite building in, in London? What's the one where you think, ah, oh, this just says London to me? What, uh, that skyline building? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, I lived there for a long time, but I would like I was young, and it's it's interesting because when I walk around London now, the things that I see tourists staring at are things that I, you know, you just used to walk past every single day. Yeah. Okay, so probably it would be the Argyle Pub on Argyle Street. <laughs> it's a pub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not Tower Bridge or Buckingham Palace or. The Palace uh, of Westminster, or, uh, or well, yeah, but you said for me, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, a pub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to say the Argyle, the Argyle, <laughs> the Argyle. Arm, Argyle Street. There we go. If you come to London, yeah. you know, you know what to do. Um, head to the Argyle. That is that is Kev's spot. Yeah, many an hour, many an hour spent in the Argyle. I'm sure. Or you can pop around the corner to the Cock on Great Great Portland Street. That's also a nice pub. Right, <laughs> that's where we'll leave it. Um, so the, the the book is one that you'll have to go looking for a little bit, but um, it, it's certainly a, a, one, a wonderful view, a wonderful scape of London. It's really heavy. Yeah, really. <laughs> Put it back over there really before you damage yourself. So the original RRP on the back was £100. Blimey. See, That's this- what it tells you about a... Yeah. If it's the RRP's £100, you know it's going to be a future keeper. I mean, books still retain value, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, mostly. Sometimes they don't, but yeah. yeah. They do generally, yeah. If you, you know, if you, so eight books on eight books, this is now two, anywhere, anywhere between two hundred and eighty and three hundred and fifty pounds. So, so photo books can still be a good investment, obviously. Yeah, 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 definitely. But depends on the condition and all of that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Um, I'm just wiping off a little bit of Monty mess from the cover of this one. <laughs> That's just made it fifty-two pounds <laughs> seventy. If you want to buy it. 
Right, back to your questions. Shall I go, or have you got one out of... While you're clearing up Monty's mess, that's a horrible thought. Do you want me to read a question from the emails? Go on, then. Yeah, go on. Right. Uh, Jeffrey Ragel. Um, good morning, Kev and Neil from America's Great Pacific Northwest. I have a question for you that may be worthy of discussion between the two of you and or even a guest. When does reportage photography become advocacy photography? I'm not speaking of a situation where the photographer was in a location that only allowed for certain images to be made, but rather where a person is intentionally omitting images or not making images that do not align with or promote their agenda. In other words, the truth is not being shared and it doesn't seem right to say that this is reportage, but it's something else. Over the last five years, for some context, so here in the US, I've seen more and more people sharing images with stories that seem to, well, they don't tell the whole story. Often this has been done by those who may not be true professional reportage photographers, even though they will wear a press label to try and fool others. When the missing images or details are seen, the whole story shifts and takes on a very different perspective. And the previous imagery seems that it can no longer be trusted. This whole thing about trust now, reportage, I mean, let alone AI rearing its head now and people beginning to uh, suspect that they're not... Well, they're seeing something that the architect rather than the photographer of a picture wants you to see. Um, Yeah. So what do you think about that, Kev? Images that... um, Images that are being shared that don't seem to tell the whole story. I suppose that's always been the way in some respect, though, with reportage across the decades, across the, you know, you'll you'll have conflict photographers that don't show the entire story, and they never can because they can't see both sides of that coin, can they? Well, yeah, I mean, you only have to look at Kevin Carter's picture of the of starving the, child of the yeah, vulture. with, with the um, vulture. And actually, it, 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 Kevin Carter went to that child's assistance. But it's not shown. Well, not shown in the I'm picture. I'm not sure he did. But he, the, the, he was outside. There were people coming to his assistance. He, the little child was outside some kind of medical hut, um, which perhaps one could argue that he could have shown that element of it. Mm. Um, anyway, I mean that's an, an, a harrowing story. Uh, obviously, ultimately ended up in with Kevin Carter committing suicide. But yeah, yeah. you know, you can. Yeah, you're dead right. That's. That's always going to be the case, isn't it? And, you know, I would like to think that, like, press photojournalists, if they're not on an agenda, if they're not working for a paper with an agenda um, or a news company with an agenda, should be as, um, you know, comprehensively seeing everything that they can do. Mm. Um, but they're, they're often not, are they, you know, if you're if, if you're employed by a certain newspaper in the UK, you're probably looking for a more socialist viewpoint. If, you, if you're employed by another one, you're probably looking for the complete opposite. Um, and the same with, you know, with news, really, TV news. So, yeah, I mean, it's all to do with what message you're trying to get out, isn't it, and what you're going to show and what you're not going to show. Mm. Um, I don't think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that this is a particularly new new thing. I, it was interesting. Uh, there's a picture of uh, Kevin Carter's famous picture. I, I, um, it's a discussion we've had, actually, funnily enough, on the um, um, my other podcast recently. No, you're right. Kevin Carter didn't go to the assistance of the child. But after it made pictures, it was after a little while, he, he um, apparently chased the vulture away. Um, right. That's what he did do. Um, there's a picture here with the vulture taken out of the of the frame, or or a different angle, and of course it looks an entirely different picture altogether, doesn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I think what we have now that we, we didn't have so much in the past is citizen journalism and where people are, you know, everybody is armed with very capable cameras these days in, the, in their mobile phones. And so they will, uh, you know, they will, will get put, they'll put stuff out there. I mean, mm. heaven knows what's going to happen over the next few years with elections and the, the AI and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, but people will always be pushing stuff. We sit, you see on Facebook all the time, people's personal agendas and political agendas uh, are, you know, different to everybody else's. And mm. Rightly so. It'd be a boring world if everybody was the same, but maybe where do you, where do you, how can you say to, to somebody who's taken a picture just as a, a hobbyist or whatever, seen something, yeah. you know, how, how can you insist that it's, per, it's totally impartial? Well, then Can't it becomes be. rules of engagement, uh, doesn't it? In, in terms of what you do and don't photograph and knowing how photojournalism works. For uh, a better example of that being perhaps is citizen journalism is, is if you like, unchecked. Whereas mm -hmm. a professional photojournalist, you would hope in some way, shape or form, is in some respects uh, yeah, a more, a more checked process with a code of conduct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't expect citizen journalism necessarily to be like that. No, 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 no. Well, it won't be. It won't ever be. And, and, and I'm, I'm referring to citizen journalism as in what we see, mm. like, publicly. Yeah. I'm not referring to citizen journalism as in those little messages at the bottom of the BBC you know stories that say were you in the uh, area please send us your pictures yeah. because i believe that the bbc would put those pictures through a code of conduct and and you know they're not going to just publish anything that comes through without yeah. understanding whether it's uh, impartial or not well thank you for that um, that's a, probably an ongoing conversation jeffrey and you're right perhaps a conversation to have with a photojournalist when we next have one on the show Mm -hmm. uh right how much time have we got kev well we got time for a couple more go on go for one from from facebook hang on better open it up again <laughs> have you <laughs> have you closed it down oh, i thought i was be... done i was done for the day then i got back on the district line found myself a yeah. tube and got uh, back to the yeah, car park no, never got on that district line again <laughs> uh right well um Okay, so here's a here's one from Darren White, and he says, "Hello from Down Under again." With all this talk of the new app and so many people shit themselves over using it to update the firmware. Um, by the way, the app worked flawlessly for me. He says that, not right, me. Right. Uh, the question arises: Why do the old and new app need continuous access to the location, precise location, all the time? It is extremely excessive. I understand that you may not know yourselves, but someone at Fujifilm that listens to this show may well tell us. And not the bullshit <laughs> answer that is required, even when the app is not in use. He does sound very angry. Now, listen, you, mate. Yeah. Bet this app. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, know yeah. the, I don't know the answer to this question. As the no, I don't is. know the answer either. I, I, uh, I suspect... I know there's been a bit of a hula loo because the new app has come out, and it is amazing, by the way. The new app mm. is actually brilliant. What but does the new app do that the old app didn't do very brilliantly in your... Well, it works. Yeah, but you mean it connects? It, it works properly. <laughs> Although I must admit, I never really had too many issues. I did have a few frustrating moments, but I never really had too many issues. But it does, it, it, it allows you to timeline in, geotag in. It's, you know, it's just much quicker. Yeah. Everything, you can connect cameras together to sync, all that stuff. But yeah, so there's this, I'm trying to get my head around the requirements here. So there is... A problem I understand. My understanding is that the app requires to have geotagging switched on. You can switch it off, but if you want the geotagging, yeah. it is active all the time, even when the app isn't being used. 
That's my understanding of it. Oh, which is um, why he's not very so pleased about it. People are a bit angry about yes, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get it and I kind of don't get it. I have to say, I don't think you can accuse Fujifilm of wanting to steal your life and your data and all of that kind of stuff. I, I think there must be a reason that they've done it. Otherwise, mm. they probably wouldn't have. And I would have, I literally have no problems. I mean, I mind you, I have no problems having a Huawei phone and all that kind of stuff. I've got nothing to hide. So I, you know, I'm not one to worry about privacy and all that kind of stuff. Don't, you know, don't have, hold my hand up in front of my face when I drive and put my, you know, CCT everywhere and cameras everywhere and all that. This just does not bother me. But for some people it does and I totally get it. And so, yeah, I don't know the, the ultimate answer. I reckon probably what will happen is there will be an update where the app is only going to use that when it's switched when it, when it's on. Actually being used, um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, then I suppose people will be like, yeah, but I got used to using not having to load the app before I wanted to use my pictures and geotag and everything. So I don't know. Uh, Andreas Noah um, from Germany. If I remember correctly, in one of the last shows, Kev, you mentioned that you mostly nowadays work with a curved monitor. I'm using a curved one at the office. Um, I'm beginning to like it. I wonder whether a, a wider curved monitor could be useful for my photography and home office work. Could you uh, describe a little bit more about how you use the curved one for your editing and how big it is? I guess you've optimised its usage in terms of what is displayed together on the screen, right? Thank you so much for producing my most favouritist podcast. Lo lots of best wishes from Nirsten in Germany. Right, yes. Well, I have the... Um, I'm looking at the model now. It is the... I believe it is the Dell UltraSharp 40-inch WUHD U4021QW monitor. Very sexy. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> not cheap, um, but it's got a subtle curve. It's not like some of those like 34-inch gaming monitors you see that where it practically comes around and touches you on the ears. Right. It's just a very <laughs> subtle curve, yeah. which is is nice. I like that. Um, I'm not sure I could work work with one that's really curved. No, I think mainly for gamers, that isn't it, who want to get like an immersive experience. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, not, not well, for me. I mean, you might want to be immersed in your wedding, Kev. Mm-hmm. Um, that was passed uh, over rather briskly. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I really like it. I have to say, I, I do. I still have the BenQ one, which is yeah. – I've got two BenQ ones. One of them is now in Albie's bedroom, and the other one is still here in the <laughs> studio as well. Yeah. Um, but this one is my main workhorse one. It's, it allows me to do all my YouTube stuff. It's all full 4K and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, one of the downsides of it is I do find myself sometimes moving, especially email, yeah. small and uh, resizing it and bringing it to the middle of the screen rather than having it full size. I like to have my apps full size, yeah. but having my emails full size means that the, the left-hand side where the emails are coming in is, you know, I've got to kind of move my head a bit too much. So I sometimes mm -hmm. resize it and bring it into the Ooh, middle. Just like a, just like a Mac user, Kev. A bit like tennis. A bit like tennis, okay. yeah. Um, but what I what I don't don't ever ever appropriate me as a similar to a Mac user. <laughs> I thought I thought <laughs> for a minute, you, yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm how, resigning. How to wind I, how to wind Kev up? <laughs> but uh, one of the nice features on Windows 11 is you can do the snap windows. Yeah. So you just kind of hover, and I'm sure I'm absolutely sure you can do this on Macs as well. But you you kind Probably of hover about in the five years ago, Kev. About five years ago, we could do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just works <laughs> nice on Windows. No, um, no. The, the thing is, it just works in Mac. 
<laughs> anyway, I, so I just usually have my email in the top left, in a little own little yeah. square area, and then my main application that I'm using, whatever that might be, it takes up the most of the screen. And then bottom left hand side is normally my um, to do list stuff. Um, much, when, yeah. when when you're um, um, calibrating your monitor, curve a curve monitor, of course you can't put a calibration tool flat against the screen, or can you? Yeah, you can. It's not um, because you're always going to have light leakage around the side of that calibration tool. No, no, no. It works. It's it's you know it's flat enough in the middle for is sure. It? Okay. It's not. It's All a right. very very subtle curve. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't don't have any worries with that. So not not a problem at all in that respect. No, not for me anyway. Right, I've calibrated in a little while. <laughs> I just said right, and that's the cue for the dog who's just looked up. Oh, does that mean the word that starts with W and ends with S, <laughs> and usually involves some treats in the middle of it? Dog owners are very nice. I was uh, on a dog walk yesterday and I, I'd forgotten to take the treats out. And he's a very treat-orientated dog, this one, for behaviour, coming back. Although he didn't come back the other day, Kev, when he saw a deer. He was off. Whoosh, gone. Ten minutes. Um, and uh, I, I just happened to mention to a dog walker coming over the uh, the bridge, I said, you haven't got any treats, have you? you got any treats? A bit like a con- contraband thing. Have you got any dog treats? And she said, yeah, I've got a load here. So it felt like I was doing some sort of private weird deal in the middle of the countryside for, for dog treats. <laughs> so his head's up now. He thinks that's it, Fuji cast over. We can go for that word that starts with W, ends with S. We need some more um, more emails, please, into the show with your questions. Click at fujicast.co.uk. You've got two weeks to get them in. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Kev. How do we do it? Via Facebook. Go to Facebook, go to the Fujicast Facebook group, and there's questions at the top of the thread, the questions thing. Um, <laughs> yes. That's, that's it. You can feel Kev winding down after the after the long weekend of travel. Right, that's it. We'll uh, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.